This is an RNZ podcast. You might have some suggestions for our very last show of the year. We might do Radio I Spy, we might not. I don't know if I'm fitting the love for it. It was quite hard to organise. We might get abandoned. I don't think that'll work. That was News Talk ZB's Nights host Marcus Lush there asking his audience how to jazz up his final show of the year. A question we've been asking ourselves here at Media Watch for this, our final show of 2022. Now we decided against getting abandoned too, or Radio I Spy, whatever that is, but we do agree with Marcus on this. Let's face it, for most of us by the end of the year we're kind of done and dusted, aren't we? It's like, well yep, come on! And plenty of people are indeed feeling done and dusted already by a fairly bruising and COVID-coloured year. Now, some of those who are paid to be opinion generators in our media weren't shy of predicting what was to come in 2022. Jacinda Ardern will step down as Labour Party leader before Christmas, picks Rachel Smalley in her column this week. Rachel, bold claim. (laughs) It is, uh, but... You know, I think when you weigh up everything and the more I was thinking and the more I was writing, it seems um, that it will absolutely be the only option open to Jacinda Ardern. A bold claim indeed from NBR columnist Rachel Smalley back in October when she wrote this. If I had to bet my house on it, I would pick Jacinda Ardern to announce that she is stepping down before Christmas. Well, Christmas is still one week away, but Jacinda Ardern seems likely to make it still firmly in charge in spite of how much Rachel Smalley has been thinking and writing. And Rachel Smalley told the NBR this at that time back in October. You know, it's time to jump now. Um, Also, she has one child who, uh, and may only have one child, you know, and the years are ticking on. So, you know, I imagine there's a desire in her too to have a little bit more time to herself in the immediate next year or two. Well, we won't ask you to bet the house on it, Rachel, but uh, we will most (laughs) certainly watch with interest. Now, that same day that Rachel Smalley first wrote the PM would jump by Christmas, she also aired another interesting opinion as early morning host at Today FM. Look, it's probably not the most foolproof idea I've ever had as such. Why don't we ban, for the short term, hoodies in malls? Just put security at the door, and if you're wearing a hoodie, you can't come in. Though one problem with that is that the mall is a place where people go to buy hoodies in the likes of Helen Stein's, Glasson's and Kmart. Like a fair number of the opinions on talk radio aired just to create more content and engagement for themselves. Even on the network which launched at the start of the year loudly promising news that moves us forward in the booming voice of Paul Henry who also told Today FM listeners this. When we make mistakes, we'll admit it. Good to know. Well, after its first year, the station that wants to move us forward is well behind its talk radio rival in the ratings. But on News Talk ZB, you'll also find plenty of opinionated speculation about politicians who might be on the way out, like this just last week. I know personally there's a bunch of cabinet ministers who know they're gone, but it'll be interesting to see how many and what those names are next week. It's odd that he would tell the listeners that last week, but then make them wait till this week when the ministers themselves announced it to find out who they were. It's cool to be in the loop, but not if you keep the scoop under wraps. Unless, of course, you're playing some sort of long game of preserving important relationships with political players, though that's unlikely to be the issue for Mike Hosking as far as this government is concerned. The Prime Minister decided to scrap her weekly interviews with Mike Hosking right at the start of 2022 after a hostile hectoring too many and the lack of feeling and the lack of respect is mutual, it seems. Here's Barry, who was summoned to Her Majesty's high chair yesterday. ZB's political editor Barry Soper did get an end-of-year interview with Jacinda Ardern last week, which went like this. 
If you look at the lower listenership for Radio New Zealand, it's clearly coming to News Talk ZB. Do you uh, think that maybe it's time that you reviewed uh, going on the most popular breakfast show in the country uh, on Monday mornings? Quite comfortable with my arrangements. Well, RNZ National's audience actually bounced back a little on the latest audience survey, while Mike Hosking's fell a bit. But a lot of people do listen to him on ZB, no doubt. But how did Mike Hosking take the news that he'd been knocked back again by the Prime Minister for the foreseeable future? She shunned me again. Quite comfortable with my arrangements. Anything else? Thanks. Now, Mike's sobbing there over that snub from what he called Her Majesty in the High Chair was clearly synthetic, though when Her Actual Majesty died in the UK in September... Mike Hosking. It's very upsetting, isn't it? I mean, it's end of an era. I don't know that I can... I don't... Just give me a couple of minutes. Now, Newstalk ZB then morsalised that moment online and urged the browsing audience to click on that clip of Mike Hosking choking up behind the mic. And that's a heartless exploitation of a deep moment of private grief for Mike. Assuming those tears were sincere, it's so hard to tell. Now, the funeral of QE2 in September was almost as big a media event as the FIFA World Cup that's on right now. And as a huge royal lover, Mike Hosking would have been as awestruck as veteran lovey Joanna Lumley with another media first from beyond the grave, Queen Elizabeth II appearing virtually in her own funeral procession. A representation of the Queen as she came back from her coronation wearing the imperial state crown and holding the scepter and the orb, waving to those who are on either side of the mall. So it's a hologram that's been created especially, Joanna. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's fantastic. And it's in black and white, which makes it even more sort of eerily thrilling in a funny way. And to think that the Queen, maybe at Windsor still, is sitting and seeing that. And as someone used to seeing things in black and white, we assume Mike Hosking loved that hologram wrought from old footage, assuming he could see it through his misty eyes. But when the Prime Minister gave Hosking the swerve back in late February, both had bigger things to worry about. After a mostly COVID-free summer, the Omicron variant stormed the borders, activating the government's red traffic light. Though not everyone was getting the warning. The Omicron is not serious. You're not serious, Joe. Joe, can you promise me one thing? Yeah. Never ring again. OK. Bye. Thanks. Appreciate it. Still, with the experience of the 2020 and 2021 lockdowns behind us and the vast majority of us vaxxed, this time, surely we knew how to keep calm and carry on? The Panadol section is actually not a single Panadol. There's just nothing. There's no lozenges, no lozenges. Oh dear, the panic purchase of pack-and-save Panadol all over again, and this time there was a picnic at Parliament that outstayed its welcome as well. More on that in a minute. Now, businesses were clearly not ready for the big sick that followed among their staff and for labour shortages blamed on young people who don't want to work. And then there were squabbles over working from home and so-called quiet quitting. And all that partly explained the long and loud claims in the media to open up the country and short and loud ones on that from media personalities. Open this country the hell up and get a move on. News Hub's Patrick Gower there, and he was echoed by News Talk ZB's Nick Mills, one of many pundits who turned on the experts and their lifestyles. Michael Baker, let us get on with our lives. You go back to your lab. Do some intelligent work. 
get paid truckloads of money for doing it and live in an extremely flash house. But for me, I don't want to hear from you anymore. And the feeling was probably mutual. Well, another urging the government to open up to the world, even if it meant more COVID cases, was News Talk ZB's Kate Hawksby, though she was a lot less gung-ho when she became one of them. I have empathy in spades now for anyone suffering actually any kind of sickness. You know, to feel so debilitated and discombobulated and unable to control your own health outcome, that is a terrifying and awful feeling. And I also learned we're not as as invincible as we think we are. I thought I was such a healthy person. And when the vaccine mandates began to end in April, broadcaster Duncan Garner had trouble internalising that complicated situation in his head out loud, on air, on Today FM. I almost feel like it's a big hoax. It almost feels like we've been played. We've been played. And boy, if I'd known that, I would have protested. Now that was fairly close to the views of some of those who took over the parliament in March, but that convoy of protest wasn't taken all that seriously at first by the critics, who dubbed it the clownvoy. But once it took over the parliamentary grounds, it became clear it wasn't going to be easy to shift, and it attracted an unexpected mix of people ready to put a stake in the ground, or a tent, and eventually plumb a toilet stall and showers into the mains on Molesworth Street, right outside the High Court. Now to some, all this was a noxious Nuremberg rally type of thing which had violent overtones and was even flavoured with fascism, while others painted it as merely a kind of wholesome and harmless food, music and yoga sort of expo. But even the highly organised campaigners and organisers of it, like Voices for Freedom, were cast as merely parents who were into wellness by some in the media. You guys started it, yeah? Yeah, The three of you. Three mums. Three Three mums. Voices for Freedom is one of the key players at the protest. Now, later in the year, Voices for Freedom were encouraging people to stand for the local elections, but to hide their affiliation to the group, though who wouldn't want to associate with just three mums? Now, while the media had mixed messages about the protesters, the protesters seemed to have a fairly set view of the media as part of their problem. And among those targeted was TVNZ's Kristen Hall. Uh, For some people, you're still getting those really mixed messages. There was a woman at the protest today carrying a sign saying, love is the cure, but she was yelling up to me and some of the other uh, reporters up on the speaker's balcony that we're all going to get executed uh, for how we're reporting this situation. So certainly some very mixed messages still going on. And take this forward if you can, Kristen. How long is this likely to go on for? Well, it went on for a lot longer than people thought, including Speaker Trevor Mallard, who thought he'd done the trick by playing Baby Shark and turning on the sprinklers early in the piece. But it wasn't only at Parliament that the media felt the heat from the protesters. The building housing the Taranaki Daily News in New Plymouth was invaded by protesters around that time too, and they were looking for the newsroom. ugly emotions there. And way back at the beginning of the year, similar sentiments were unleashed by the best-known anti-vaxxer in the world, who was detained and then deported across the Tasman. There's been a new twist in the Novak Djokovic case. Court papers claim he tested positive for COVID weeks ago, and it turns out it was the same day he was pictured mingling maskless with children.
Sending back the Serbian tennis star generated enough for an entire new series of Aussie Border Patrol. In Sydney tabloid The Daily Telegraph dubbed it the Novak's Jockey Viction. Under the front page headline, Return of Serb. And among those with strong opinions were Channel 7's news anchors in Australia, whose off-air pre-bulletin chit-chat was captured and released online. Novak Djokovic is a lying, sneaky, asshole. But they weren't the only ones undone by a hot mic this year. Act leader David Seymour has accepted an apology from the Prime Minister who called him an arrogant prick under her breath in the House. The irony is I was asking her if there's anything she's apologised for and made right, and then she called me an arrogant prick. But look, some days I'm a useless Maori, other days I'm an arrogant prick. Seymour says he's been called worse. And in the UK, Channel 4 News host Krishnan Gurumurthy was caught on tape in July calling the UK's Minister for Northern Ireland a lot worse. I'm very happy to go up against you on trust any day. <laughs> what a <laughs> Now at that time, the UK's politics was so toxic that one BBC radio presenter was giving listeners a health warning in the run-up to the news bulletins. We've got some miserable news for you and we're going to bring it to you on the hour, every hour. And even within the ruling but unravelling Tory party, the whips were using the loosest of language in front of reporters. I'm absolutely effing furious. I just don't effing care anymore. And while the UK's News at 10 self-censored the worst of those words in that quote, good old German state TV just went for it as is. Stellvertretende Fraktionschefs, das Parlament mit den Worten verließ, I'm f***ing furious and I don't f***. Well, here, Tova O'Brien told herself off for confronting Homelessness Minister Marama Davidson with a bad word. One person or even a child sleeping in a car is not acceptable. Um, but we just have <laughs> well, to be... We just... No shit. Um, didn't feel great about it. But in the end, Tova O'Brien backed herself on the air like this. Shit is no longer a swear word, but just because it isn't doesn't mean we should fling it at people. Just because they're not swear words anymore, I wouldn't call you a bastard, a dick or a prick, Duncan. And her co-host Duncan Garner's probably been called a lot worse too. But Tova O'Brien said worse, but censored it, earlier in 2022 when her own lawyer gave her the news that her former employer MediaWorks wouldn't allow her to go on the air when her new network, Today FM, launched with her as the big star. Uh, the restraint has been modified to be uh, expiring on the 14th of March. Okay. So they haven't completely won, but it's not great. Oh, I'm gutted. But two swears, months apart, was no match for Sean Sinnott, the father of Winter Olympic winner Zoe sadowski Sinnott. In February, he managed not just one F-bomb. Right, her, younger, her younger sister, she was a f- crazy. She just went off the roof. But two in a single live News Hub at Six interview. How proud are you right now? Y- your daughter's just become the first Kiwi to win a winter gold, ever. I'm pretty f- excited. We could tell. But the Media Watch Award for Sustained Swearing in 2022 also doubled as a pretty cutting piece of media commentary. It came from broadcaster Brody Kane, a former TVNZ Fair Go reporter who had a fair old go at TVNZ for making and airing the reality show F-Boy Island, in which three women searching for the guy of their dreams were exposed to F-Boys not looking for a relationship. TVNZ, like the straightest up and down f***ing network, 
Boy Island on TV. Like, and let's encourage a bunch of dudes to over three chicks on television. I just, it just, oh, I just, oh, I'm, I just I'm couldn't believe it. it. <laughs> still gonna watch it. However, TVNZ CEO Simon Power subsequently told MediaWatch the F-Boy Island show was in fact all part of a balanced diet for younger viewers. Um, We believe it fits within our rangatahi strategy. Look, it helps create some very important conversations and it may just help equip um, younger people with tools to navigate a new era of um, online dating. Fair point, though most people's online dates aren't arranged by TV producers putting predatory F-Boys into the mix. Now, most dates aren't on tropical islands either, except on TV. And the How Lowbrow Can You Go F-Boy Island show was exhibit A for critics complaining that the culture at TVNZ was incompatible with that of RNZ, and that would undermine the public media marriage at first sight that the government has in mind for 2023. Indeed, in a now notorious recent TV interview about the merger, which critics and opponents gleefully called a train wreck, the Broadcasting and Media Minister Willie Jackson told confused Q&A show host Jack Tame this. Things might not be sustainable yeah. unless we invest now. And we have, Look, you could end up being the front man for Treasure Island. You can't. You might not be. You might end up there because there might be no Q&A the way that we're going. Though subsequently Jack Tame told News Talk ZB he wouldn't actually mind that gig. I love that Willie threw that out as like a bad thing. I was like, yeah. okay, so hang on, I get paid to go to like some tropical location for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I think it sounds fantastic. So clearly there's a lot at stake in the ongoing saga of the new public media entity coming your way in 2023. Or possibly not. After the Prime Minister told a range of media last week, the government would be reprioritising its reforms for next year over the summer break. Well, on Midweek Media Watch this week, I took a look at that and other developments in the media merger saga. That's on the RNZ website, or you can pick it up from our podcast feed if you missed it on nights here on RNZ National last Wednesday, when we also heard how the Prime Minister was being urged to do some heavy reading over the summer about other daunting challenges ahead. The end of the world is just the beginning, since this, mm. this, is, how, this is where an American guy called Peter Zion, basically, uh, it's, it's saying countries are going to have to uh, make their own goods, grow their own food, secure their own energy, fight their own battles, and a world in which uh, instead of being able to get stuff delivered to your door from, from anywhere in the world at the door of a hat, you're going to have to wait or you're going to have to make it yourself, and it might not be quite as good as it used to be. Heavy stuff there for on business desks, Patrick Smelly from the annual Summer Reading List for the Prime Minister. And you do wonder how journalists would react to the office of the Prime Minister telling them what to read at the beach during the break. But in the spirit of do-it-yourself... RNZ was criticised for going offshore to commission new theme music for new shows back in May, when MediaWatch's solutions-focused Hayden Donnell engaged a local composer to have a crack off the cuff at new theme music, and even had a go himself. The news is here, the news is here, look out, it's the news is here, the news is here, look out, it's the news. It's the news. Well, in the end, sadly, RNZ didn't find a home for Hayden's lo-fi, no-budget news theme there. However, there could be a new public media entity next year in need of some bold new sounds and branding.